Welcome to this week's episode of the Integra Podcast, where we discuss everything from wisdom to wellness to woo. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to the Integra Podcast, where we talk about all things wisdom, wellness, and woo. Today, my guest is Patrick Neese. He is a writer uh, for the Kansas City Star. He is the weekly arts writer. He uh, runs the Casey Arts Beat and is a freelance writer in the classical world. Welcome today, Patrick. I am so excited to have you here to talk about winter solstice and Yule. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's so funny because you and I have had conversations about all this kind of stuff for years and years and years. It's just so funny to let people in on yeah. our typical conversation. <laughs> yeah, and I love it. I know I was thinking about it this morning. We've known each other for 28 years. How the heck wow. is that? I know, that's crazy. Yeah, and wow. you know, over the years, we've had so many discussions about spirituality, um, astrology, Taoism, you name it, we've talked about it. And I really feel, I really credit you for being one of the people who really um, started my journey, my really my spiritual journey into all these different techniques and um, the woo. So (laughs) you've always had, you shared a lot of great insights with me too. And, you know, I think one thing you and I have always shared over the years is a real love for the Christmas season. Yes. I I remember many years ago, you turning me on to this Fred Waring and his pencil. (gasps) Yes. Uh, it was the night before Christmas. Yes. Uh, oh, and, yeah. Uh, I know we both we both love the season. I know I certainly do. Yeah. Yeah. And today we're going to talk about the winter solstice and Yule. Uh, we're going to dive into some of the astrological aspects, the symbolism behind it talk about food, drink, and even maybe a little bit of music. We won't be sharing the music because of rights, but we can give some suggestions. So do you want to dive in and kind of talk about uh, the astrological pieces around this? Great. People, I think, uh, you know, used to be so much more in tune with nature before we started being air conditioned and hermetically sealed. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think uh astronomical and astrological events pack more of a punch once upon a time right but i think that uh the winter solstice still retains some of that power mm-hmm. for even people who are detached from nature because after all it's hard to avoid seeing how dark it is early in the day mm-hmm. you know and and how cold it is I mean, I think uh, the winter solstice re- really returns us to our primal roots, unlike any other time of year. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and so I think that it really has a lot of power in that regard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for our ancestors, you know, in the Middle Ages, and, you know, the power of the winter solstice actually starts, I think, with the summer solstice. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Advent is the four weeks before Christmas, as you know. Right, right. But I really think that Advent, in a way, starts at the summer solstice. Oh, cool. Can you yeah. kind of explain that? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, uh, 
first of all, in the at the summer solstice around June 21st mm-hmm. in the Middle Ages, there were great big celebrations, bonfires. Right. You know, I don't think the see now. This is what I mean about the winter solstice packing more of a punch because mm-hmm. I don't think the the midsummer celebrations are that big a deal for most people. No, no, I haven't seen it. I know that in Scandinavia, they still are. They still have a lot of bonfires. But again, you know, in Scandinavia, they are experiencing the power of light more yes. than they here. Because, you know, yeah. it's starting to be light for hours, you know, many hours a day mm-hmm. around midsummer. So they have, yeah. they, they still have big celebrations there. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I think Advent begins at the summer solstice is because at that point, the sun starts to decrease its length every day. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, I think it's interesting that, well, first of all, I I have to talk about the Catholic Church's relationship to paganism. Yes, yes, please. Yeah, which I think is just one of the best things about Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, during the Protestant Reformation, it was considered one of the worst things about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and they wanted to eradicate all pagan elements in the Catholic Church. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, the Catholic Church had a genius about co-opting pagan rituals and pagan celebrations mm-hmm. and, and having them serve Christian dogma. And a perfect example of that is the Midsummer celebration, because they assigned the feast of St. John the Baptist to June the 24th. Oh, wow. Okay. The, yeah, right around the Midsummer celebration. Mm-hmm. Now, you might ask why. You know, was it just random? Why did they choose St. John the Baptist for June 24th? Well, you know, John the Baptist is very much associated with the Advent season. You know, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the readings during Advent relate to St. John the Baptist. Okay, yes. And and I think one of the sayings of John the Baptist really has a lot of esoteric meaning, whether you're a, a Catholic or just a spiritual seeker, if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. St. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. Oh, uh-huh. And so at the at the summer solstice, the sun starts to decrease mm-hmm. every day. You know, that's John the Baptist decreasing. Now, esoterically, you can think of seeing John the Baptist as our own ego, our human ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has to decrease. And Christ consciousness has to increase. Yes. And so John the Baptist, our human ego starts mm-hmm. to decrease at the summer solstice gradually 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 until you get to the winter solstice when the christ consciousness takes over and okay. starts to increase mm-hmm. and it starts to you know the, the days lengthen mm-hmm. and you know the the sun increases i think it's profoundly symbolic yes oh my gosh yes yeah and you know we've talked about astrology so much you and i over the mm-hmm. years and I think you could, you know, all the planets, you know, and in astrology, the moon is considered a planet. Right. All of these planets have effects on our individual consciousness. But I think if you stripped all those planets away and just left the sun, mm-hmm. you would have the, the spine, the root of mm-hmm. what astrology and mysticism is all about. Yes. Whether it's Christian mysticism, Islamic mysticism, whatever. Because mm-hmm. mysticism is achieving union with the divine. And that whole journey of the sun, of it decreasing to the point of the winter solstice and then increasing at the winter solstice, that's the Christ consciousness taking over. 
Mm-hmm. As achieving unity with that conscious. That's why I think the it's so powerful at the winter solstice. I think people really need to take some time. I mean, we all love the festive celebrations and all, mm-hmm. but I think it's good to take some time at that at the winter solstice and meditate and oh, yeah. quiet and solitude mm-hmm. and reflect on on that concept of the Christ consciousness taking over. That's what Advent and Christmas is all about, is right. the coming of Christ consciousness. Yes, yes, or exactly. Consciousness or the Buddha nature, whatever you want to call it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, you know, that's my take uh, on the really basic bare bones of why the winter solstice is so important. Now, you know, around the winter solstice, there have been other celebrations that celebrate light. And, you know, I was telling Mm -hmm. you about, you know, and again, going back to Scandinavia, of course, I think it really feels this time of year more than other places because they they just feel the dark and the light so much. Right, right. Uh But, you know, December 13th in Scandinavia, especially in Sweden, Mm -hmm. is a very important holiday. It's the Feast of St. Lucy. Mm-hmm. who is one of the ancient virgin martyrs of the church. Again, a brilliant use of the way the Catholic church, you know, in, took this Christian figure and, mm-hmm. and imposed it on a, on a pagan concept of light in darkness. Right. You know, cause so it's December 13th. You're in the middle of the darkness there in Sweden and Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. And it's the feast of St. Lucy. Now, I don't know if you know what all they do on the Feast of St. Lucy in Sweden, but, you know, usually these small towns and villages choose a young girl to be St. Lucy. Oh, yeah. And they put a wreath on her head, mm-hmm. and the wreath is surrounded with, with candles. Oh, and, beautiful. Yeah. And then all the, the other girls who aren't St. Lucy also carry a single candle. Yeah. And uh-huh. they all St. Lucy into the church. Mm-hmm. And they sing carols. It's a darkened church. It's lit only by the candles on the wreath. Now you want to make sure you, her hair doesn't catch on fire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but if all goes right. Yes. <laughs> it's a wonderful, powerful, uh, you know, celebration. Yeah, it's a beautiful. It sounds so uh, special and profound. Yeah. And then, you know, St. Lucy herself has a lot of light symbolism. She. Mm-hmm has a lot of light symbolism associated with her. As you know, she was martyred by having her eyes plucked out. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, light enters through the eyes. And her name, Lucy, comes from the Latin word lux, L-U-X, mm-hmm. which is the Latin word for light. So Lucy is all about light. And so it's so, I think, incredible that her feast day is December 13th. Yeah, yeah. And right in the middle of the Advent season where we are lighting the candles. Exactly. And that too. The Mm -hmm. Advent Yeah, yeah, a great example of how another light. And then, of course, you know, the Jewish tradition has the Hanukkah. Yes. Again, very much light related. And just before Advent, generally it's right before Advent, is the Hindu feast of Diwali. Yes. Oh, yeah. I always forget that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the big feast of light. And, you know, in, in all these big Indian cities, they have great big light displays, like we have light displays here for Christmas. Right. Uh huh. So this is a very common thing, thing. at this time of year, you know, this, this light symbolism. I, I just love it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I see the country club plaza all lit up, it's it, yes. it such joy, you know, and uh, 
Oh, me too. Me too. I, uh, I think it's so special this time of year with all the lights, uh, you know, all over the place. I get, I become a little kid again when I see a house lit up, when I drive home from working at the retreat house, even in the country, you know, you'll have the houses uh, along the sides of the roads on the farms and they'll have their houses lit up. And I just, there's so much joy around light, you there know, is, there is. And, you know, I enjoy it when people have electric, even electric, but, you know, especially if they have a real candle in the window. Yes, yes. That really goes way back, you know, again, to ancient times, people would do that. You know, they would put candles in their windows. Right. And what is the um, symbolism behind that? Why would, was it to bring the the families home? I can't remember the way for travelers, you know, and be a sign of welcome. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the other great thing about this time of year. It is it is a time of welcome. It's a time of you know really uh, opening our hearts to others. And uh, you know Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol is such a perfect story for this time of year. Mm-hmm. Again, you know Scrooge kind of gets a dose of that Christ consciousness at the end of A Christmas Carol. Yes, he does. Yeah, he does. He, uh, and it's such a redemption story, you know, it's, and I think it gives us, I think we all, I think that story resonates with everybody so much because I think even though Scrooge is kind of a villain and mm-hmm. I think we see a lot of him in ourselves. Well, yeah. And I think, I mean, if you look at it really from, from the standpoint of it is, is really about that rebirth, you wow. know, and he really is going, uh, inside and uh which is a huge symbol of the winter solstice to go inside um you know and emerging uh as a rebirth and also it shows that no matter how much we may think we are rigid and locked in our ways and are never Mm going to change you know scrooge you know here's this old skin flint miser and if he can change any yes. change. Exactly. Yeah, it is. It's a huge message of hope that we always have that ability to shift our mindset and our consciousness to a higher light. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Higher light. I love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you're so right. It goes across, you know, all spans all of these religions and um, cultural events and you know in the you know at this time the celebration of the sun gods are are very big you know sure, Ra, Mitha, sure. yeah all helios apollo all of those are part of this so you know there's really something to this yeah. um this piece i always say that all roads all roads lead to god cross uh-huh. consciousness you know it's just it's your way of resonating with it so um, so tell us a little bit more about uh, the, do you have any traditions that you do personally with maybe food or music? Um, what what are some of your favorite things for the winter solstice or around Christmas? Sure. Music, of course, is huge. Right. I mean, for you. Yes. Yeah, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm not alone either. You know, no. I'm sure a lot of people, I mean, look at all the concerts that are going on this time oh, of year. Yeah. You yeah, know, there are so many wonderful pieces. 
you know, I wish people, and I think they do, uh, some people do, explore some of the lesser known repertoire mm-hmm. this time of year, because there's so much wonderful stuff out there. You know, yes. like the Kansas City Corral recently did the St. Nicholas Cantata by Benjamin. Ooh. Uh-huh. You know that piece? I don't. I don't. I'm going to have to listen to this. I should be writing this down right now. <laughs> it, 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 you know, lots of recordings of it. If you're mm-hmm. if you're on any streaming service like yes. Spotify, I'm sure you can easily get it. Mm-hmm. Saint Nicholas Cantata by Britain. I am. Anyway, I'm going to do it, that. It tell, yeah, it, it tells the various miracles of Saint Nicholas, and <gasps> yeah, oh. uh, yeah, you know, uh, and these are miracles not everybody knows. Uh, for example, you know, he was the Bishop of Myra, which is, you know, in, at that time, Asia Minor, what we now call Turkey. Right, and, right, right. Uh-huh. And, you know, he was the Bishop there. He was known for, for being very generous. You know, one of his uh, miracles was throwing three bags of gold through a poor man's house so that he would have dowries for his three daughters. And Oh, okay. Uh, so now, that's where the coins come from. Well, yeah, that and also, have you ever seen a pawnbroker's shop with the three gold balls? It's becoming less common, mm. but a very common symbol. You could tell if it was a pawnbroker shop, even if it didn't say pawnbroker shop, mm-hmm. because there were three gold balls hanging outside of it. Oh, wow. I think that's still the case in many, uh-huh. many, many, many times. Uh-huh. But anyway, that comes from that miracle. And St. Nicholas, he's the patron saint of many things, and mm-hmm. he's the patron saint of pawnbrokers. Believe it or not, pawnbrokers need a patron saint, too. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all do, don't we? Yeah, oh, my gosh, yes, yes, we all do. the patron saint of thieves. Right. Is Isn't yeah. that interesting that, you know, yeah, both sides of the, of the coin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and another one of these miracles that Benjamin Britten tells about in his cantata is the three pickled boys. Are you familiar with that? No, uh-uh, no. Well, there was a famine going on in Myra when uh-huh. Nicholas was bishop, and there was an unscrupulous butcher who kidnapped these three boys and uh, butchered them and pickled them. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Yes, that's right. Uh, and uh, St. Nicholas was, you know, because he was a saint, he knew this was happening. Uh-huh. And so he restored the three boys to life. And oh, wow. Think about that. considered the patron saint of children. Mm, okay. He also calmed a shipwreck that he was on a he was on a ship. That's why he's the patron saint of sailors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the patron saint of so many different countries, including uh, Russia and other places too. So anyway, you know the there these these traditions are getting lost. Mm-hmm. You know, we all we know is you know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Mm-hmm. We don't know about these ancient Saint Nicholas stories. And so anyway, the Saint Nicholas Cantata by Britain is a great way to get mm-hmm. familiar with those. It's a really good one to familiarize familiarize yourself with. Another one of my favorite things I listen to almost every year is an album called A Medieval Christmas with a Boston Camarada. Yes, yes. It, it, you know. I've been listening to it since I was in high school. It's mm-hmm. just the most wonderful album. It intersperses medieval music with readings in Old English. And oh, there's even nice. Hebrew cancellation. Mm-hmm. And it's just so atmospheric. I mean, it'll take you back to the Middle Ages. It's just so great. Oh, yeah. And yeah, light all your candles. Uh, oh, get all, get your little, little frankincense. Yeah, frankincense and myrrh is just, yeah. you know, that's part. I mean, I know that in the Catholic Church that, you know, 
it's it's a, a huge part of it but mm-hmm. now it's uh you know during this time it's very sure. um important to to uh burn the frankincense and myrrh mm-hmm. just a little side note about that you know all those gifts that the magi brought all have their own esoteric significance you know, right frankincense is the uh associated with Christ's role as a prophet mm. and gold is associated with his role as a king and then myrrh is kind of a prophecy of his death and passion because you know they would anoint the dead bodies with myrrh interesting okay yeah and by the way just another side note about the magi another oh, thing heck I yeah this is because it does have this astrological stuff going on you know yes the magi were, were astrologers mm-hmm you know, and they came to see the Christ child via astrology. And again, I think this is symbolic too, that we can come, we can use astrology to come to Christ consciousness if we yes. use it properly. Just yes. the way the Magi used, the, uh, used astrology to uh, visit the Christ child. Right, right. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be this thing that is the devil's work, because it's not. Right, you know, right. it is, it really is this piece that can bring you closer to your, your divine essence, yeah. and your own um, Christ consciousness. So well, you have to, you know, you can't treat it as an idol. I think that's right. Thing. Oh, yeah. You know, now in the Catholic Church, astrology was huge. I mean, popes had their own astrologers. Mm. If you've a lot of cathedrals, you see on in the floor, the zodiac laid out right and the catholic church really had i mean it had a problem with abusing astrology for predictive work but i mm. think that it, i think it basically it would run charts i mean the popes would run charts on people they had court astrologers mm-hmm. uh, so you know I, I i i think that christianity and astrology can find peace together oh definitely yeah it it is it's it really is very seamless if uh people are open um minded to it yeah and even the church of the immaculate conception it has that beautiful uh window isn't that isn't that an astrology or is it the phase of the sun i can't remember it's that beautiful window the moon phases yeah the moon phases yes yes well again the catholic church was very tied into astronomical positions you know after all easter the date of easter is based by the first sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox wow yep so, you know uh-huh uh, that's very, right because it changes every year so right, it's going to exactly. shift right. with all of that so i know wow. there's a lot of talk of them making a fixed date for easter so it's the same oh really i hope they don't do that no that's another example of us losing touch with the natural rhythms of the universe right and we need to we really need to stay connected to those natural rhythms yeah and and that really kind of takes us into the um food part mm-hmm. of the solstice so you know we've we've passed the harvest we are now um eating more of the foods of the season so you know, with Yule Fruit vegetables you know, that are stored up, right? Um, winter vegetables. Um, people had, uh, I mean, some of the traditional meats were um, a pig and a venison and wild game meats and the fattened goose because mm-hmm. you know they would eat one goose on 
uh, September 29th, which is Michaelmas or St. Michael's Day. Right. That was the first goose they would eat. It was usually scrawny and, mm -hmm. not, and kind of tough. Uh, but then, you know, Christmas is coming. The geese are getting fat. Please mm -hmm. put your penny in the old man's hand. You know, by Christmas <laughs> time, you know, the yeah. goose were nice and plump and very tender. So then they would have that nice plump goose. You know, I would love to have a goose at Christmas. And, you know, when I was a kid, we did have it a couple of times. But I went to the grocery store the other day at... It was eighty dollars a goose. Oh like, my goodness! You know, I, you know, so I might have a duck. You know, uh -huh. it's, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. The, yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, they're much more uh, affordable at this yeah, point. But yeah, no, but yeah, and there's something too that I think because if you know you've got pig or yeah, I mean it was wild boar at the time, but uh, yeah, the boar's you know, head, you know that the boar's yes, head, the boar's yes. head and handheld eye. Decked with rage and rose or sage and rosemary. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so yeah, it's even a carol and named after a boar's head. Anyway, right. Yeah. yeah, and then there you go with some of the herbs that are right special at this time: sage, bay, uh, rosemary. All of those are are good for this time of year anyway because they're very um, helpful in assisting with uh, bronchial mm -hmm. um, things, but also they are part of you know they're they're part of a an old old tradition and and also so we've got the pomegranate which is all about um, prosperity fertility and fertility um the orange which symbolizes the sun uh -huh. and light and also you know how they would put an orange and you know they still do i'm sure you did for your girls put them in the toe of the sock and the yes you know, that also goes back to what I was saying about those three bags of gold that St. Nicholas threw the window. Okay. That, that orange was another symbol of the, one of those bags of gold that St. Nicholas threw. Oh, how interesting. Uh, so, and I know that nuts are a huge um, piece of this. I had, I always had an orange and nuts in my uh, me stocking. Too. Me too. Uh-huh. Peanuts and uh, all those. Yes. We called them filberts back then. But yes. Uh, oh, yeah. My favorite. <laughs> no. Yeah. My favorite were the hazelnuts uh, slash filberts. Uh -huh. I remember. I didn't like the uh, Brazil nuts because they are harder than heck to open. <laughs> they were. Uh -huh. but, now, uh, now that you can buy them, you know, they're all shelled. And I don't <laughs> feel like it's a horrible cheat to get them that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to work for it. But well, yeah, we had that. Uh, we always had that nice set of, uh, do you remember everybody had the metal sets of sure. the uh, nutcrackers and things and like pit, that? The little, did you have little Yes, the pick. Yes, yeah, yes. I used to love there. that little thing. Yeah, so you could uh, dig out like the... Um, pecans and the walnuts yes and, uh, right no that was so great again you know now everybody gets these nuts shelled and right I, there was a real ritual to cracking them yourselves and picking the meat out and it also helped you from keep you from eating too many of them oh yeah yes because it's so easy i actually this afternoon uh was uh hungry because i skipped lunch and got a big handful of nuts and then uh yeah kind of overdid it uh, so yeah it does and it it is there's something to that mindfulness you know uh, those yeah, things right, that we've right. shifted away from again like you're talking about the natural rhythms of doing these things and really the intentionality around our eating and our spiritual practice everything really is a spiritual practice and um doing these and, things and intentionally things used to feed that you know i think right I think that a lot of things our ancestors did 
helped our spiritual practice and our spiritual practice, you know, was fed by these things. Yes, you know, yes. and, and then there are drinks, you know, wassail, mm -hmm. you know, wassail, you know, is, uh, it means to health. Yes. Uh -huh. And, you know, it, it, all it is is, you know, mold cider with some uh, wonderful, those wonderful warming spices we mm -hmm. associate with winter. And, you know, if you want to, you can add some brandy, but right. it's good even without alcohol. It's, it's just nice, warm, si mold cider. Mm -hmm. and, and you know Dickens wrote about these warming punches a lot in his books. Mm -hmm. Yes, including a Christmas Carol. He had a drink which I've made. I've made a couple of the punches that have been in his books. In a Christmas Carol, there's one called Smoking Bishop. Oh yes, is, uh, uh -huh. made red wine. It's named after the robes that a bishop wears. That bright red. Okay. Robe. Uh huh. But anyway, the the thing that makes it distinctive is you take an orange or a couple of oranges, and mm -hmm. you roast them in the oven till they get some brown spots. You don't want them totally brown, but mm -hmm. you want some brown spots. Then you slice the oranges in half, and then you steep those in the wine and the cinnamon stick and everything else, the all spice and whatever. Mm -hmm. that, that burnt orange kind of gives it a very nice uh, flavor, very unique. Mm -hmm. and, and then the steam coming off, of it, that's the smoking bishop. But anyway, another one of my favorite punches from Dickens' novels you know, I don't drink that much anymore, but right, right. But but when I did, this was one of my favorites. It was uh, it was gin lemon punch. Very simple. Ooh, gin that sounds and good. Juice and water and sugar. Mm -hmm. It's just so good. And you know that lemon at this mm -hmm. time of year, as you know, is so good for you. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they yeah, have that vitamin C and just you know those beautiful antioxidants and everything in there. Yeah, that's why citrus fruit is in season at this time. Yeah, you know, right. of course, really... we all know how good gin is for you. It is. It is. <laughs> hey, it can it can cut some stuff. Let me tell you. <laughs> so. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to talk a little bit about kind of, you know, we've talked a little bit about symbols, but, you know, there's the symbolism of the lights. Uh -huh. uh, we, you know, the five pointed star um, and uh, the colors that uh, this time of year that go back to pagan times were red and green, of course, uh, the colors of light. The thing about red and green is those are also lucky colors in China, which mm. I find very interesting. This is why the Chinese Communist Party, you know, really played up red mm. a lot, you know, right. because it uh -huh. had a long historical association in China with good fortune, as well as green, mm -hmm. and you see the red and green in Chinese communist uniforms. So, you know, they, like the Catholic Church, you know, the Chinese commies were also good at utilizing, <laughs> tapping into these ancient uh, belief systems for their right. own purposes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, the colors of the season are great. Uh-huh. And then in Advent, it's uh that beautiful is it purple? Purple, yeah, yeah. Except yeah. on the third Sunday of Advent, which is known as uh uh Gaudete Sunday. Uh-huh. Which is when the color is pink or rose color. Right. And I remember as a kid, you know, growing up Catholic and being an altar boy. That day and a, a certain the fifth Sunday in Lent were the only two days the priest wore these rose vestments, and so they really stood out. These pink, you know, wearing these bright pink yes. vestments on most of uh -huh. the days. Yeah, and as you see on the Advent wreath, you'll see ribbons. 
Mm -hmm. three purple ribbons and then one pink ribbon yes yes I do remember that from my childhood yeah and that reminds me of a piece that um uh a choral piece called Gaudete yeah yeah I love that piece I do too do you can you remember the composer I cannot it's it's from a medieval Finnish collection of carols called P.A. Cantianas okay uh huh. So yeah, it, it doesn't even have a. We don't know who wrote it. Right. So far back, which are some of the best carols, in my opinion, that go so far back. We don't even know who wrote them. Oh, I agree. I agree. I know when you and when I started doing a little more research, uh, because I mean, I've listened to winter solstice music and Yule music, and um, it really is. It's those uh, really carols that have a transcendent time. Low How a Rose Are Blooming is another one of those for me. Yes, yes, yes. And the Holly and the Ivy is yes. one. Yes, oh yes. You yeah. know. The First Noel has that kind of ancient sound to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there are a couple other pieces I wanted to talk about. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, you know, for big classical pieces, if you really want to get in a winter mood, uh, and of course all this Christmas music is great, you know. Mm-hmm. All the Christmas choral music you can find is great. But for right. a classical piece, Tchaikovsky's Symphony Number no. 1, which is known as Winter Dreams, mm. it's just this really, it'll, it'll make you feel like winter. Mm-hmm. And of course, anything by the Finnish composer Sibelius right. will yes. give you a wintry feel, but especially mm-hmm. a Symphony Number no. 1, which I think is really frosty. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then speaking about astrology, you know, Gustav Holst the planets. I think a lot of people <gasps> oh, think yeah. that that he wrote the planets based on astronomy, but mm-hmm. actually he based it on astrology. And you know, cause okay. Holst was a big mystic. He, he studied Sanskrit. He knew astrology like the back of his hand. Mm-hmm. And he gave the names of these different planets, their astrological names like Mercury, the winged messenger mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, Uranus, the magician. Um, so yeah, of course the planets is a great one. If you want to get into an astrological mood, yes. but speaking of Holst, another piece I highly recommend this time of year. And, you know, I used to work on KXTR, which is used to be Kansas City's classical station. Yes. And for years and years, even before I started working there, they would always end Christmas day in the evening with a piece by Holst called the hymn of Jesus. Ooh. It's a beautiful piece. It's not. You're not going to listen to it and think, oh, yeah, this is Christmassy. Right. But you will think it's mystical. It, uh-huh. And Holst, because of his mystical inclinations, for his text, he used words from these ancient Gnostics. Mm-hmm. And so this is another, and he also quotes the Gregorian chan him Panji lingua. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't re- recommend this piece highly enough. Uh, so check it out, you know, on your streaming or whatever the Mm -hmm. hymn of jesus by gustav holst it's a great piece yeah and i you know just kind of jump it back for a second to tchaikovsky i mean we have of course other piece the nutcracker and you know i never fire that piece you know i get tired of a lot of pieces like the pocket bill cannot care for every but the nutcracker i never get tired of it no magic it really is. There's just uh, something about Tchaikovsky's music is just so magical. So, you know, if you want to get in that spirit and um, magical place, uh, do listen to it. I, I I love it so much. So now, speaking of an astrological connection to music at this time of year, mm-hmm. I think this is really interesting. I don't know about you, 
But I noticed that so many Christmas carols have a pang of bittersweet quality. They're not mm. all ha, 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 ho, ho, ho. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like Lohau Rose are blooming, for example. Yes. And others, other songs even have kind of ambiguously sad lyrics, like uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas mm -hmm. if the fates allow. You know, then then it kind of in, enters a little bit of doubt. Like maybe mm -hmm. the fates won't allow you to have a Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, um, we need a little Christmas right this very minute. Mm -hmm. And there's one line in there where it says, I've grown a little older. I've grown mm -hmm. a little colder. And leaner. Uh -huh. and leaner. You know, so there's the sadness that gets interjected. I think Silent mm -hmm. Night has this quality to it. Mm -hmm. And I think this is related to the fact that at Christmas, the sun is entering Saturn, mm -hmm. which, as Holst calls Saturn, the bringer of old age. Right. So there is this certain, you know, sense of, again, so things coming to an end as well as being reborn. Yes. Maybe it's a certain sadness that we're leaving our ego behind, mm -hmm. uh, that we're, you know, shedding that skin. Right. Well, and we're heading for the new year. So we're taking stock of um, the year right. and becoming introspective about um, what we would like to see in the new year. Right. So, yeah, it makes so much sense that Saturn's right there um, as this beautiful teacher and uh, just the bringer, the reminder of all of this. And the God of, you know, he... Uh, the old man that we often see symbolized on mm -hmm. New Year's Day cards where the old man with a scythe and mm -hmm. then you have the New Year's baby next to him. Mm -hmm. you know, that old man with the scythe, I can't think of a better symbol of Saturn. Right, you know? exactly. Yes. The Lord of Karma. You know, he's mm -hmm. collecting all that karma that we've that we've uh, collected over the past year. And mm -hmm. now he's now he's coming to collect it. And, you know, that's not always pleasant, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, not to inject too much of a sad note here, but you know, the Christmas season, suicides often go up. Mm -hmm. You know, lots of there are lots of eruptions of violence, and mm -hmm. that's the sad side of Christmas that we can't really ignore. Mm -hmm. And I think it's sort of the, the that sad Saturnian aspect of it. Mm -hmm. yes. But still, I think you know, if we're aware of that, we can become aware in our own lives of where we may have failed over the past year. Mm -hmm. and how we can improve in the coming year. I mean, I think mm -hmm. New Year's resolutions are great, even though yeah. nobody ever keeps them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I still think the ritual is good. Yeah, yeah. And the intentions yeah. uh, towards uh, shifting um, any all of it, you know, New Year, new intentions. Uh, I think that's all important because it is looking at that, going through that retrospective and introspection time that we do see a lot with the winter solstice um so it all is tied in together yeah. it's yeah. a profound season you know it's mm -hmm. not simplistic i think american celebrations of christmas kind of become a little simplistic and a little too you know hallmark movie-ish mm -hmm. you know it, it's so much more complex than that and, and in that complexity it's a lot richer and deeper and more profound and I think mm -hmm. we can all seek that out through traditions, through the music we listen to, the mm -hmm. things we read at this time of year. I think it's a great time for spiritual reading. Yes. Uh, you know, uh -huh. it, it, you know, so anyway, I hope that everybody will avail themselves of all these various mm -hmm. things. 
that we've yeah. talked about. You know? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And on the winter solstice, you know, doing burning your Yule log and um, really bringing that light in and, uh, you know, letting go, you know, fire allows us to transform things. So, you know, letting go of the old. Uh, you know, Saturn right there, burning off the old and bringing in the new. So, um, yeah. So Patrick, I am so glad that we got to talk about this today. This has been such a great conversation. Um, we were wondering if we were going to be able to fill 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. How long do you go? Almost 45. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's um, like one of our typical conversations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Sometimes we have to, we have to stop those phone calls, don't we? Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. There's that's so what, much. That's wisdom. what happens when you get two people with moon and Gemini talking. Right. Exactly. I know it is. It, it, it gets it's a, going. It's a dab fest. <laughs> It really is. No, this has been so great. Um, and so thank you so much for being on the Integra podcast. Sure. Yeah. That that's Thanks all the good work you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this is so fun. I love being able to talk with everyone and really uh bring wisdom, wellness, and woo to everyone. So uh again, thanks from the Integra podcast where we talk about all things wisdom, wellness, and woo. Today's podcast is brought to you by Integra Holistic Wellness, home of the Integra Wellness Method. At Integra Holistic Wellness, we recognize that you are made up of four integral parts, body, mind, spirit, and soul purpose. When you work with an Integra Holistic Wellness mentor, you'll be guided how to integrate these four parts of your being through nutrition and movement, mindfulness and emotional release connection to others and your higher self and your soul's true purpose. To find out more and connect with Heather, contact her at support at integraholisticwellness.com. That's support at integraholisticwellness.com. You can also catch her on Instagram and Facebook at integraholisticwellness. That's I-N-T-E-G-R-A holistic wellness.